Hey there, I'm Eric Olson. And I'm Kevin Daisy. Join us on our journey to building a $100 million company. What is happening? This is Eric J. Olson for another episode of Journey to $100 million. Typically, Kevin or I will do solo episodes, but occasionally we bring another entrepreneur onto the show because we know there is more to learn than from the experiences that we are having growing Array Digital. So we like to bring entrepreneurs on, talk to them, find out what they're doing. These are still relatively short episodes, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes at the longest. So we'll get you in and out. But today I have the pleasure of hosting Andrew Cornelius. Andrew, what's happening? Doing great, man. How are you, Eric? I am fantastic. Well, hey, man, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Well, uh, I'm on here because I'm a business owner, but uh, first and foremost, I'm a, a father and a husband. I've got a three-year-old and seven-year-old girls here in Virginia Beach. My wife teaches, so we enjoy uh, flexibility in the summertime, and that's one of the beautiful things that comes along with entrepreneurship and being in this digital age is, you know, I'm able to work from wherever and we like to travel and visit family and things in the summertime. But yeah, we've been in Virginia Beach about five years now and moved out here for a job opportunity. And uh, it's just been uh, a great experience so far. And we've got no intentions of going anywhere else right now. Awesome. Cool. So you, you know what, let's back up to like, you moved out here for a job opportunity. You're obviously not at that job anymore. What was that transition like for you? So the, well, the first transition was just coming out here, right? So we, we were in uh, Louisville, Kentucky for about 12 years. Um, I was an accountant first and had a small accounting practice. So that was probably my first dabble into entrepreneurship. And then I got into the technology side of things and worked for a NetSuite partner where we sold and implemented this uh, cloud-based ERP solution. So think of it as all your digital operations in one place accounting, finance, all that stuff. And did that for a couple of years and got in touch with a headhunter who said, you've got to come out to Virginia Beach. There's a really uh, interesting startup. They've just purchased NetSuite to run their company and they'd like you to come out and implement it. So from the time that I interviewed to the time that I started was three weeks. It, it was quick very, turnaround. very, very quick. It was quite shocking to a lot of our friends and family back home, but hey, we're picking up, we're moving across the country. Um, there's something really cool going on and we want to be a part of it. Yeah. So that was really exciting. You know, I spent about three years with that company. It's called Lisa Sleep. It was a bed in a box company. And they were at the forefront of that movement where people started to buy big purchases online instead of, you know, going to your traditional brick and mortar. You know, think of a mattress. It's something you sleep on every night. It's a, you know, thousand dollar AOV, right? So it was really, what's really, an AOV? Uh, average order value. So it's a high, high ticket. You know, we're not talking about buying pens and pencils and widgets on Amazon. It was a, you know, high dollar purchase. And we were there when people were transitioning from, you know, not being comfortable to spending that sort of money and buying something sight unseen to doing that. Cool. So now let's talk about the transition out of Lisa to your own company. How did that come about? Yes. Well, I have a partner in my company, uh, Frank Galarraga, who's our, the CTO of our, our company now. And he was who I moved out here to work for. He has a, an amazing background in technology. He's built things that every one of us has used in the past, uh, whether you know it or not. And you know, we came to a point with Lisa where we had laid the groundwork, built the systems. We had done as much automation as we can. 
And we kind of, you know, looked at each other one day and said, you know, we could take the show on the road. There's other companies that need the same level of expertise, both in the uh, direct to consumer uh, product market, but, you know, also the omni-channel people who are selling online, but also selling into, you know, uh, a brick and mortar store, like a big box or so. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was really the, the catalyst. It was a, you know, conversation over, over lunch one day, uh, sitting out by the beach, which was a, a perk of Lisa being right on the ocean. And we started to work on a plan of uh, becoming uh, a Oracle NetSuite partner and uh, started, you know, socking cash away. I wanted to make sure I had a huge cushion to sit on as we spun this up. So before I left, I, I made sure I had our first big client, um, someone that, that was going to give us the runway that we needed to get going. And once I landed that, that big, big client, I put my notice in at Lisa, helped them transition a new person into my role there and um, closed the door behind me. Yep. Your story sounds very similar to mine. When I realized I was going to transition out, I took about six or nine months to prepare and I, I did a bunch of freelancing and I stocked up a bunch of money. Uh, so I had, you know, plenty of runway for myself, for my family. And I had some clients that, that I had accumulated from my freelancing as well. Uh, in, in the end, it wasn't necessarily my decision. It was kind of like I got the boot mm-hmm. from uh, my government contracting position, but, uh, but I was ready for it. I, I anticipated it coming, which was good. Yeah, and so I think absolutely. like for me, it worked out very well. It sounds like you took the same path, which is, I think it's a smart thing to do. Like some entrepreneurs say like, you've got to go like all in, there is no plan B. Let's be a little realistic here. Like I'm not yeah. going to like mortgage the house and drain the 401k and all that stuff and just cross my fingers and hope, right? Like we have a family exactly. as well. And even if yeah. I didn't like, you know, you want to go a lot in. I don't know about absolutely. Yeah. And I did something that was later coined the Cordelius exit where, you know, I didn't give a two week notice. You know, I I had a position where, you know, I knew all the operations. I knew all the nuts and bolts behind the scene of the company. And it was important that whoever took my role learn those as well. So when I sat down with my, my manager at Lisa, I said, you know, I'm going to give you guys 90 days and this is going to be my, my last day here. And I'll let you guys figure out how you want to tell the company and how you want to roll that out. But just letting you know, in 90 days, my, my time will be up. So yeah. gave you know, again, gave myself some cushion, um, was working on both projects day and night and made sure that they were set up for success too. I think that's really good what you did. And I, I would recommend anyone who's listening, thinking about exiting their full-time job to do something similar. Like you don't need to wait until the very end to give a two week notice or give no notice. Like if my guess is that if you're looking to exit your employment and start your own company, you're a pretty capable person like Andrew was at his last company and they've been good to you, right? So give them plenty of notice, you know, 30 days, 60 days. I mean, Andrew gave 90 days. That's a long time, but that's good thing to do. So bravo to you for doing that, Andrew. That's, that's, that's really sharp, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So one lab group, as a matter of fact, let me, share my screen right here but tell me a little bit are you focusing exclusively on netsuite or are you doing other things at this point as well Well, and who are your clients yeah yeah great great question so first and foremost we are a netsuite oracle uh, partner which that that means that we can sell and implement their product and the netsuite product works across almost any industry it's extremely flexible in its design which is the beauty of it and so that is our main product. We're also a Microsoft partner. We're also partners with, you know, a number of other tools that plug in into our space, Shopify, BigCommerce, Dell Boomi. I mean, there's a lot of different tools out there that are in our toolbox that allow us to, you know, architect the right solution for our clients that allows them to scale. So 
when we're talking about our clients, you know, we're, we're really in two different business verticals. Uh, the one that, that we came with the intent when we started one lab was really that direct consumer market. So we're helping e-commerce brands who have raised some money that have had some success scale. So mm -hmm. typically that's someone who's raised at least $10 million from a venture, you know, venture capital group or, or fund. And they're at that point where they need to get all their systems in line. They need to be able to scale that because maybe they were running QuickBooks and then they had maybe like an inventory management system. And then they had Shopify and all these different tools that they have don't talk to each other and they're siloed. So we put them into to NetSuite because it's a single source of truth. It scales. You know, I've got a company that's valued at $1.4 billion and still running NetSuite and they'll continue. There's no reason to change once you have the right foundation laid. So that's what we do at OneLab. Very um, cool. The other business vertical that we've uh, come into over the last about uh, year, year and a half is working with biotech and medical tech, medical device companies. Again, kind of the same trajectory. We're, we're seeing people who have passed their FDA approvals or they're almost through their FDA approvals for their product. They've raised some money and it's time to, to really stomp on the accelerator. Nice. Let me ask, is NetSuite the primary product that you support? Yes, it is. Yes. And, and so, any reason you don't, you don't have that like predominantly featured on the website, you kind of have to <laughs> drill down a little bit right here. Yeah, it is down a little bit ways. Part of the reason is that, you know, when we look at our practice at our, our company, um, we're not your typical NetSuite company, right? We're not your typical NetSuite partner. Most of them come from, you know, like right from the accounting world. So you see the big companies like RSM or Deloitte, you know, they have NetSuite practices too. And it's a very different approach. There's, they've got sales teams. They've got a lot of handoffs in their processes. We're there to be a partner, right? We, you're going to meet our group. We're going to work with you from start to finish. And we don't want to feel like you're being pressured into putting on a shoe that doesn't fit. So you know, during our discovery, we'll, we'll make sure that shoe fits, but going back to the website, it's really just to not be overly pushy about it. Well, cool, man. Uh, what are some mistakes that you've made along the way and how have you adjusted? Yeah. Mistakes along the way. I would say that not being a part of the entrepreneurship community in the area sooner was a mistake. Yeah. You know, as I said, we were head down in Lisa, we scaled that company very quickly. They've had tremendous success, but while we were doing that, we were sitting in our seats in that building for three years, right? So I wasn't really in tune to the business community. I didn't know a lot of other entrepreneurs in the area. Luckily, uh, through some some people that we did know, I heard about you know the EO Accelerator program, and was super pumped up to be accepted into that, and been really enjoying the fruits of that organization on meeting other people who are are doing what we're doing. You know, it could be they could be painting houses, right? They could be, you know, doing landscaping, construction, other tech companies, advertising. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you know, underlying business is business. People are people. Hiring's hiring. We all share those common challenges and things. So that's really something I would have done sooner was become part of that community. Gosh, other things. You know, actually, maybe we could like pause on that because, um, sure. you know, like like one of the things that, that I, I still see and I saw a long time ago was, that people, especially like employees, like I, I would see that like they were silent, like uh, online and, and you wouldn't see them in networking meetings. And, and then all of a sudden you would see that they're like blasting out like DMs on LinkedIn, they're posting on LinkedIn, they're showing up in person to these meetups and inevitably they were looking for a new job. And so they were like trying to network and get to know people the moment that they needed 
those people the moment they needed that network. And I always thought that was a mistake. And it's better, in my opinion, to constantly, constantly be creating your network for the time that you need it in the future and you don't know when you need it, right? So like, as an example, like this podcast here, like I'm getting to know you better, Andrew, right? You're getting to know me better. Like maybe one day we can help each other or like inviting you onto this podcast, right? Like you and I have interacted several times and then all of a sudden there's an opportunity. I could help you, right? Maybe one day I'll ask for something in return, but you should network in advance of when you need it. Don't wait. Cause like, just like Andrew was saying, like you get so heads down and you've got a family, you got a job, you got whatever else you're doing in your life. And like networking is always the last thing to come until you need it. So you got to create that network early on. So that's a great point, Andrew. Yeah. And that was something, you know, that I left behind in Louisville. You know, we lived there for 12 years. I had a great network of friends, business people, community leaders, and that was a hard transition to pick up and leave that behind. So really I've had to start over from scratch here in Virginia Beach. But again, it's been a welcoming community. It's great to meet all these other business owners and, and really... I wouldn't have done it without EOA. So that's the yep. entrepreneurs organization accelerator, which I'm familiar with as well. We're in the same chapter. And so that's how Andrew and I bumped into each other. Well, cool. Yeah. Hey, if you were starting your journey all over again, what would you do differently? Now you've already mentioned one thing like network more, especially with the mm-hmm. entrepreneur community. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've addressed that by the place that you're working at now. It's called assembly yeah. in downtown Norfolk. There's a lot of like, frankly, cool companies there that are doing a lot of interesting things in particular in technology. What are some other things maybe you would do differently? I would have let go sooner. And by that, I mean, some of the daily things that I thought were important when I started or not. So, you know, outsourcing as many of those working in the business pieces, like, you know, get your accountant going, get that bookkeeper up and running, you know, hire that person to work the LinkedIn sales funnels, you know, doing some of those things where I was in the, in the business and and being busy, but not working on the business, um, if if that makes sense. So uh, definitely would have outsourced more tasks, task-based things sooner. And really I would have started to build my sales funnel sooner as well. Sales funnel in this is long. I mean, the the sales cycle is long. When we do a big project, we're fundamentally changing all the accounting, all the, you know, so many different pieces of of what runs a business that they're big and they're cumbersome. But that means it also takes a long time to make that C-suite comfortable with the investment they're about to make. That's right. Yeah, I, I think that's great advice. Uh, certainly. And you don't have to outsource like everything, right? Just start with like a little thing, a normal task that like invoicing was like one of the first things where I'm like, I need to give up on this. Like, this is just taking a long time. And all I need to do is write down the rules, right? Like this client gets this term, these terms, I just had to figure it out and explain it to someone. And then it, it was off my plate. Now, before sales, like you mentioned, like focusing on sales, but before sales, there's marketing, right? And you've got to get the attention of your ideal prospect. And if with what you're doing, I would imagine it could be difficult. Like what I do with marketing, I can look at someone's website. I can ask questions. I can give feedback, right? It's obvious. It's there. Like I can see it. With with what you're doing, like number one, like it's got to be the, probably the right size client, the right size revenue. They probably ideally have not implemented an ERP yet because otherwise there's a a big switching cost. Uh, Maybe they're just like coming to the point of maturity where they need one of those, right? So there's a lot of different things that could be difficult for you to evaluate. What is kind of your ideal prospect? Maybe a couple attributes of your ideal prospect and, and how do you get their attention? What are some things you've done maybe even recently 
to get their attention. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, again, going to be kind of vertical focused um, on the direct consumer brand side. You know, we use Crunchbase. I throw in some parameters. I say, show me all companies that have raised money in the last 90 days. They've got less than, you know, 75 employees that they're in this space. And I get a mm. list. And that's that's kind of my first point of making sure who lands in my funnel is qualified, right? So even though they may have a tool or may not be looking yet, at least I know that they fit the, that mold. So from there, we throw them into NetSuite because we use it and that's our CRM. And we start, you know, reaching out to them and keeping track of all that within NetSuite. Other things that we've done, uh, we do have a company right now that is doing LinkedIn outreach for us. And they are, you know, using some similar parameters and going out and finding, you know, CFOs, CTOs, COOs in that similar space and doing automated outreach through LinkedIn. You know, if they, uh, you know, accept my you know, invitation, then it's me picking up the phone getting on an email and trying to get that conversation rolling as quickly as we can. Mm -hmm. The third prong, which is new to us right now in the direct to consumer world is we are advertising on a, a well-known podcast that's put on by a, a gentleman named Jordan West. It's called uh, how to scale your e-commerce brand. They've got a few hundred episodes out there. They're well-respected in their space and a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners um, in that space, listen to him for, you know, guidance and advice. And uh, we thought that'd be a great place to, to throw some marketing dollars behind. So we're planting those seeds. So when we do hit them through our sales funnel, they, oh, I remember that company. Yeah. I heard them on, heard them on you, that podcast. You could also repurpose the content. I'm sure you have. Have, have the episodes come out? Uh, the first one went live on Friday. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another thing that I've seen companies do is they, they leverage the fact that they're a sponsor, right? The same way that if they got an award from a company, you could just say like, hey, we've, we've been featured on, mm -hmm. on this podcast or something like that. But yeah, it sounds like that's your ideal audience, e-commerce brands, right? People that want to grow their mm -hmm. e-commerce brands. That's great. So yep. good for you. Cool. Well, thank you. Any hits from that yet? I've had a few people reach out on LinkedIn, uh, more like friend requests so far, but that's the first step, right? So uh, you you connect with them and then you engage and then hopefully you convert. But uh, and, and they reference the the podcast. Yes. Mm -hmm. Cool. And yeah, you have your own yeah. podcast, right? Uh, no, I, I do not have my own podcast. I, I should. I definitely enjoy uh, listening to them, but I have not uh, embarked on my own yet. Oh, I got you. On your homepage, it says, listen now, this month's sponsor is One Lab Group. Got it. Yeah, it's the, the link. Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Got it, got it, got it. Yep, yeah. that's cool. There you go. You're leveraging it already. Yeah. Smart. I like it. Cool. Mm -hmm. So you just added that recently. Good for you. Okay, cool, man. That's awesome. Well, yeah, great, man. Hey, if, if someone is out there who is looking for a NetSuite implementer, or if they have a question for you, what's a good way to get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, my email is andrew at onelabgroup, O-N-E-L-A-B-G-R-O-U-P.com. And uh, you could also just come to the One Lab Group website and click the little uh, Let's Connect button up there and drop your email in there and we'll, we'll get in touch. There you have it, guys. All right. Andrew Cornelius, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much. We've been recording this podcast free of charge for years. Hopefully, you're getting amazing value out of it. We don't ask for much, but would you do us one favor? Would you tell just one person about this podcast? If you get any value whatsoever, all we ask, and we'd greatly appreciate it, is share the podcast with one person just like you.